0: As conflict between Israel and Palestine escalates, we have seen many shocking stories come to light over the last 72 hours. Some of those are true, some of them are propaganda, and today we will play fact or fiction as we attempt to discern the truth among the lies. Like Kanye said, telling the truth is crazy in a world full of lies. Let's get into it. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Magnifying Glass podcast. I'm your host, Elena Moore, and today with me is my co-host, Liam Ford. Today we are going to be touching on a currently very controversial topic. I do want to add the disclaimer that Liam and I are not picking sides. This is not a pro-Israel or pro-Palestine episode. We are looking at facts and, as always, encourage our listeners to dive deeper into topics, especially when mainstream media acts like it's a black and white issue. So let's go ahead and jump into... Kind of the overview of what we've been seeing recently, Liam. Would you like to kick us off?
1: Oh well, that's that, that's pretty easy to summarize the situation over there uh, from the last few few days. But yeah, um, as everybody knows, um, the Palestinians and Hamas—I uh, guess I should say Hamas—so it's not to um, lump everybody in with that in Palestine, uh, which right. I know would offend people, so don't want to do that off the top. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Hamas launched an incursion into Israel by land, sea, um, and air. They flew into a music festival, as I'm sure everybody has seen by now, uh, with these makeshift paragliders. And immediately there, there were a few questions that everybody had. How did Israel not see this coming? How were they able to get through this? Why did the Iron Dome um, not work? And But at the same time, you know, in the whole conflict, the history of conflict in particular, between Israel and Palestine, it was nothing new, but as we soon saw, it was just on a larger scale than it had been previously. And so that's what really brought all the attention around. That's why you have BLM chapters all across the United States now posting pro-Palestine graphics in a very distasteful manner, Mm -hmm. and you have the US government, as always, failing to address the issue. Biden was nowhere to be seen for the first 48, maybe 60 hours after this happened. We just found out, confirmed this morning on Wednesday, that there have been at least 20 Americans killed in the whole conflict. Probably more, but they're still missing and they haven't confirmed that. And the whole fallout continues basically. So you have people calling for more military aid, you have people on the pro-Palestine side basically arguing that Israel's going to commit a genocide against the Palestinians and the UN and the US and everybody else needs to protect them and stop Israel. You have the Israeli side which is saying that they're just going to retaliate in kind and that they have a right to defend themselves however they choose to interpret that and whatever power they think that gives them. And you have politicians, as always, grandstanding on the issue. And at the end of the day, the only real winners, I'm be honest with you, out of this situation are the defense contractors, whose stocks went up immediately once this conflict started.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to see who bought up uh, some of their stocks before this whole crisis kicked
2: off.
1: They made millions, whoever did. And as always, we probably won't find out until three or four months from now after they pay a two hundred dollar fine on a trade that made them 10 million dollars it the way that stock trading works in congress is just absurd but don't want to get deviated off topic here um
0: and one thing that i have just been getting major deja vu of is the ukraine and russia mm -hmm. war that kicked off what about a year ago
1: a year and a half ago, almost yeah. almost two years ago oh, now. Oh,
0: golly. It doesn't feel that way. Well, it feels the same way all over again to where we've got a normal, oh, it's you must choose this side, and this is the only side that's right, and let's not look at anything else. And remember, within the first, what was it, two weeks, there was a ton of videos that were coming out with these massive claims of death and dying and some really traumatic videos that a lot were debunked later on. Yep
1: well i mean go back to covid remember the whole hysteria of covid started because you had these videos of people just falling over on the streets in china in major cities just just collapsing dying where they stood essentially you know one day you're one one minute you're sitting at waiting for a bus and then the next minute you're dead you fall over into the street um and again those were debunked too so and it's not a new thing it's not something that's coming up in the last year or two there's two very important points whenever it comes to pushing propaganda one Um, you have to make sure that people have to accept it, which is something that, you know, it happened with COVID, it happened with Ukraine and Russia, as you saw, which basically, you basically have to accept the push narrative or else you are a hater, you are standing for the genocide of innocent children and babies, you know, all these super extreme moral equivalencies that people make If you don't accept the dominant narrative, you know, probably the the greatest example that we've seen out of this whole Israel-Palestine situation to date, more may come uh, in the coming days or weeks, but to date has been the story about Hamas uh, beheading like 40 babies, I think Mm -hmm. it was, right? I posted whenever that story first broke, like, you know, maybe you want to hold on a minute before you start using this story to justify extra military intervention or you know, extra military aid or whatever, because there's a good chance that this story is not all that it sh- was cracked up to be. You know, and then, you know, we started to see that, oh, well, it was kind of based on the report of one, you know, IDF soldier who told it to one news outlet who did not verify that story and then th- ran with it. And then the mainstream media picked it up. And now you have, you know, the LA Times and Forbes and everybody else now today having to issue retractions on a story that even I, sitting, you know, on my phone on Twitter, whenever I first saw it, that doesn't really check out. Obviously, you know, Hamas is capable of doing something like that. Um, but it's the nature of war. And, it, you know, once you've been lied to enough in order to justify the further intervention by U.S. military or U.S. You know, financial aid or whatever, you start to kind of have a nose for maybe this story is not... Uh, the whole truth, or what they're telling us right now is not the whole truth.
0: Right, and the local news reporter that broke the story, Nicole Zedek, wrote, uh, walked back, began to walk back on it, um, I believe either this morning or yesterday, that mm-hmm. and she put out on Twitter that soldiers, Israeli sh- soldiers, told her they believed 40 babies slash children were killed. The exact death toll is still unknown as the military continues to go house to house and find more Israeli Casualties. That was what she put out on Twitter after posting that video yesterday and everyone getting in a tailspin. I mean, I can understand that sounds terrible, but my question is every time I see something like that that is pushing a narrative, it's always, okay, is this true? So even Bloomberg put it out that they were wrong this morning and apologized for their reporting on the supposed baby mutilations, and you can see that video here
2: we're still trying to get clarity on so many different things. The number of civilians, the number of people missing, particularly from America, their questions being asked of this president. How many are still being held hostage? I have to say that in an interview earlier on today, a reference was made by a Bloomberg anchor to the alleged mutilation of babies, which is an absolutely shocking story. We should make it clear that these are unsubstantiated reports, and we apologize for that error, but seeking clarity on some of these reports is a big, big deal for us over the next few days.
0: We saw multiple callings for this, even with Megan McCain, John McCain's daughter, putting out there that you're either on the side of baby mutilations and baby beheadings, or you're not. And again, we see that black and white, you know, no, just a bunch of claims with no... really anything to back it up other than rumours.
1: Yeah, and it's, again, it's something that, as I said and alluded to earlier, it's something that has been done before, not only, you know, lying about, you know, atrocities committed, but specifically uh, in the Middle East, lying about the killing of babies in a particularly gruesome manner uh, as part of the Gulf War um, invocation that the United States was drawn into and and led against um, Iraq. Uh, or Iran, I guess I should say, um, for throwing babies out of um, incubators. Um, Eventually, I mean, this was even published by the Washington Post, uh, this story turned out to be false as well. So, you know, it's it's a method of invoking emotional support for uh, either a nation or for a movement or for an uprising or whatever you want to call it. It all just depends on which side you're picking, I guess, on this in this whole situation. Um, but either way, it is a tactic that has been used before. Because obviously, who's not going to want to take a stand against, you know, killing babies? Obviously, that's terrible. Unless you talk to like the left in the United States, who might argue that it's okay. But beside the point. Um, in this specific instance, they find it morally reprehensible, uh, and so it's a super. It's a super effective propaganda tactic mm-hmm. because, as soon as you say maybe we should wait for more confirmation of this story, then they just paint you as you know you are on the side of baby killers, you know, and so there is a not only a huge emotional um, pull to make you believe in the story, to make you run with it, and uh, you know basically get your get the ire. Uh, stirred up in you against the people who would be doing this but also it gives the media and your peers around you um, the grounds to put you under a lot of peer pressure to again accept the modern narrative and so you know it's sad that this is where we're at this where it's sad that this is the situation whenever it comes to um, modern discourse and trying to figure out what's happening with a very tragic conflict that is going to kill a lot of innocent civilians and innocent bystanders however you know it's, it's also the reality and you need to address it so for both media outlets and individuals whenever something like this is happening whenever you're getting information in real time as social media has allowed for you know you should be very uh, cautious with what you accept and with what you you know it's hard to read a story like that and not emo- react emotionally but I think everybody should try and, and not to You know, because we've seen now several times where that story in a couple of days has been proven false and now you have all of these people who have made all of these statements in the heat of the moment that they end up having to retract and so that's not good for policy that's not good for the civil discourse and it just delays the issue because you have so many times where people are hesitant to walk back an issue because they feel like oh well you know this makes me look bad this lo- makes me look like I'm wrong this lo- makes it look like it it's hurting my credibility that's not the case as long as you you know accept it and own up to it and then learn from that mistake
0: Exactly. And it also puts the U.S. military in a terrible position right now because it almost seems as if we may be getting involved in this because our elected officials have taken such a strong stance on it without looking at all of the information. Even Egypt warned Israel for weeks that something big was coming. Do we honestly believe that Mossad didn't know that this was going to happen they have been bragging a lot about or israel and the prime minister netanyahu has bragged a lot about their iron dome and that it's unpenetrable mm-hmm. but then you have egypt warning them four weeks leading up to this that something was going to happen and it was ignored
1: yeah and, and again it, there's no way that you know, Israel, the United States, and everybody else didn't know this was coming. There's just there's just no way that you have this type the the buildup logistically on the ground necessary for an operation of this scale that Hamas undertook. There's no way that that happens undetected. Um, now, I'm not going to draw any conclusions from that. I think that that begs a lot of questions that people need to be asking about the leadership in the United States. Uh, of US intelligence in Israel, of Israeli intelligence Um, and people need to be held accountable for that. But I personally do not believe for one second that Israel and the United States did not know this was coming. I I do believe you know, obviously Egypt knew this was coming. There's no reason that anybody else in the region uh, would have would have been ignorant of the fact that it was coming as well. And going back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, the U.S. being drawn into it, it's weird because, you know, the United States military seems to be, you know, kind of gearing up to get involved uh, kinetically, Mm -hmm. but the United States government doesn't seem to be doing much to get actual U.S. citizens out of, of the situation. Again, as I said earlier, we now know that at least 20 Americans have been killed. That number will likely, likely go up as we, as they, you know, discover more bodies and, and comb through more of the area, there's a lot still missing. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to Corey Mills uh, from Florida, uh, CD7 uh, down in Volusia County, who is over there right now. He was he was actually in Afghanistan as well after Biden botched that withdrawal mm-hmm. Uh and and rescuing americans over there and so he's on the ground over there he says that he's been helping rescuing a couple dozen americans already and and has a team over there that's working to get more americans out so you know it's sad that you have an individual yes he's in congress but right now he's you know kind of working outside the support of the u.s government despite that fact he's using more his personal ties to you know his his history with uh the u.s armed forces and and doing the work that the U.S. government should be doing. Because, you know, if we're going to be sending USS Liberty in to support Israel, we should be doing at least as much, if not more, to support and get the Americans out of harm's way that are there.
0: That's exactly what we saw when Biden force-pulled out of Afghanistan. Look at how many mm-hmm. Americans were stranded over there, and we still have no idea what ever happened to them.
1: We still we still don't know how many we still don't know you know how many made it back how many didn't we It's amazing that that story got buried as efficiently as it did. Right. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, it, it. Shout out to Corey Mills for that. But the United States government has absolutely dropped the ball. And and I've seen a, a number of you know other countries, Poland, Russia, and other countries have you know they've sent their military, they've sent assets into the country to get their people out. You know and the United States always brags, you know, we're the best in the world, but they're not going to get their people out. It just seems, it just seems like another two-faced uh, moment for the Biden administration. And, you know, there a moment of crisis for the united states for u.s. citizens and this administration fails to answer the call yet again
0: and you know when i was doing some research into this i i started asking the question well where did hamas come from you know as you stated earlier it's not what it seems of oh it's a palestine versus israel thing it's more of hamas versus certain people in israel and in 2009 Representative Ron Paul spoke on the house floor about how the United States and Israel actually created Hamas and you can see that video here.
2: What's happening in the Middle East and in particular with Gaza right now, we have some moral responsibility for both sides, uh, in a way, because we provide help and funding uh, for both Arab nations and Israel. And uh, so we definitely have a moral responsibility, and especially now today, the weapons being used to uh, kill so many Palestinians are American weapons and uh, American funds essentially are being used uh, for this. But there's a political liability which I think is something that we fail to look at because too often there's so much blowback from our intervention in areas that we shouldn't be involved in. You know, Hamas... If you look at the history, you'll find out that Hamas was encouraged and really started by Israel because they wanted Hamas to counteract Yasser Arafat. You say, well, yeah, that was better then and served its purpose, but we didn't want Hamas to do this. So then we as Americans say, well, we have such a good system, we're going to impose this on the world. We're going to invade Iraq and teach people how to be Democrats. We want free elections. So we encourage the Palestinians to have a free election. They do, and they elect Hamas. So we first, indirectly and directly through Israel, help establish Hamas. Then we have election. Then Hamas becomes dominant, so we have to kill him. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. During, during the 80s, uh, you know, we were allied with Osama bin Laden and uh, we were contending with the Soviets. It was at that time our CAA thought it was good if we radicalized the Muslim world. So we financed the madrasa schools to radicalize the Muslims in order to compete with with the Soviets. There's too much blowback. There's a lot of reasons why we should oppose this resolution. It is not in the interest of the United States. It's not in the interest of Israel either.
0: So it seems like we have had hands in every single issue um, when it comes to war in some way, shape, or form. And if we're not, we get involved in it.
1: Well, I mean, and again, you know, Hamas is not the only one that has, you know, U.S. (laughs) involvement. And even if you want to dispute the historical involvement of the U.S. in Hamas, you can at least admit that the reason that they are now using AR platforms instead of their traditional AKs is because of all the aid that has the United States has been giving to Ukraine that has somehow found its way into Hamas's hands, or it's all of the, what, $72 billion worth of military equipment that Biden left in <laughs> Afghanistan that found its way into Hamas's hands. Either way, the U.S. is involved in arming them uh, and, and it is therefore in some way culpable um, for the bloodshed that Hamas is now inflicting on innocent civilians with U.S. weapons. But I don't, again, I don't want to get bogged down into that because I think that one of the more important aspects of the story that has been completely ignored by the mainstream media is the pro Palestinian protests across mm-hmm. the West. You know, it's 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 again. I wish I could say it was just in one area, but it's not. It's all across Europe. It's all across North America. You know, up to Montreal in Canada, San Diego, California, Um, Dearborn, Michigan had a huge one. They're all across uh, the UK, Germany, France, and you have a real problem now, a security threat in Western countries, where you have easy access if you look at the if you look at the united states the southern border is completely open if you look at the encounters that customs and border patrol has been having with suspected terrorists and people on the fbi wanted list at the southern border they've grown exponentially since biden took office uh next to zero whenever trump was in office to i think over 350 now people that are on the fbi most wanted list that have been apprehended at the southern border Same thing in Europe, you have no control Mm -hmm. on immigration, you know, as we talked about a few episodes ago in Lampedusa or through any of the other passageways from the Middle East into Europe. Again, in Europe, we know that 92% of all of these refugees that people in the media and on the left so often call them, these refugees are 92% men. Okay, so this is not in any way what you think of as the people who flee war, right, women and children. That's not who's that's not who's leaving. That's not who's fleeing. You have people who are entering both Europe and America who are military age fighting yeah. men. And so you have a real security risk now as you know as the situation degrades in Israel if the United States gets involved, if the UK gets involved, there's a good chance that you'll have people who are allied with Hamas or other entities in the Middle East that are currently residing in the West that will then start to pick up, uh, take up arms or use civilian targets uh, to try and swing public opinion um, in those countries. And so, you know, people in the West should not fall into this trap of thinking that, well, that's a problem for over there. You know, I'm I'm in America, or I'm in Europe, I'm safe from this this conflict can spread pretty quickly. I don't think it'll be, you know, people are saying, oh, World War Three. I don't think it's going to go that far, but I would not be surprised at all if it does not trigger some terrorism incidents in the West, particularly if your country gets involved in yeah, these On o-
0: October 8th, Hezbollah issued an official statement towards the U.S. saying Quote, Palestine is not Ukraine. If America intervenes directly, all American locations in the region will become legitimate targets of the resistance axis, and will face our attacks. And on this day, there will be no red line left. End quote that should yep. say it all right there. Putin even warned America not to interfere with the Israel-Palestine war. If so, Putin will likely openly help Palestine. Same thing happened with Saudi Arabia. They said the same thing. Um the Palestinian president is was heading to Russia on October 9th, the day after he he made that uh, Putin made that statement about the US getting involved. It's very clear that US officials are choosing a side here and are making their own threats. You have on uh, October 9th as well, U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham suggesting that the USA bomb Iran. Moss in the last hour announcing it's going to begin to execute hostages and post video Mm -hmm. evidence
1: online for every Israeli airstrike. Your thoughts on this (coughs) moment, Senator?
3: Well, for every Israeli or American hostage executed uh, by Hamas, we should uh, take down an Iranian oil refinery. The only way you're gonna keep this war from escalating is to hold Iran accountable. How much more death and destruction do we have to take from the Iranian regime? I am confident this was planned and funded by the Iranians. Hamas is a bunch of animals uh, who deserve to be treated like animals. So if I was Israel, I would go in on the ground. There is no truce to be had here. I would dismantle Hamas. This is the best opportunity Israel has to destroy Hamas take it to the Iranians. If you harm one American in Syria by using your Iranian militia against us in Syria, if you escalate the war by urging Hezbollah to attack Israel in the north, if Hamas kills one American and Israeli hostage, we're going to blow up your oil refineries and put you out of business. It is now time to take the war to the Ayatollah's backyard.
0: We're seeing the same thing over again.
1: yeah, I, I mean, you know, Lindsey Graham moves from one war to another faster than anybody else I've ever seen. Uh, he's never met a war he didn't like. Um, and people should should be very careful. Uh, when I say careful, I mean ignore anything he says. Uh, Lindsey Graham is always wrong.
0: And, and you and could so, put Nikki Haley on that yeah, as you well. Just,
1: if you fade him, 100%, a uh, Josh Hawley even, right? Somebody who a lot mm-hmm. of conservatives like. Uh, you know, conservatives. You know, being the operative word there. But a lot of people on the right tend to think that Josh Hawley is more conservative than some of his counterparts, like Lindsey Graham. Uh, but we saw immediately once this conflict broke out, he was just as eager as everybody else, all of his colleagues, to send more U.S. assets or servicemen or whatever it took uh, to Israel.
4: Well, and I certainly hope that the prime minister does whatever he needs to do to keep Israel safe. They need to be able to keep their own people safe. And listen, by keeping Israel safe, he will help make the United States of America safer because these are terrorists. We shouldn't be shy about saying it. They are terrorists, they are butchers, they are murderers, and they would kill every American too when they were finished killing the Israelis. So it is important that Israel be able to defend itself and that the United States give Israel all the support that it needs. And frankly, we need to be we need to be putting together a coalition uh, uh, of Senator, people saying I'm, we uh, stand with may, Israel.
3: Hang on, get back to the coalition. That is a live bombing that you're hearing right now in the background, uh, the real sights and sounds live in Gaza happening as you're speaking. Uh, uh, please go back to your comments. I did not mean to interrupt you.
4: Not at all. I, I just think it's important that right now that the United States is very clear about what's happening here. We need to speak with moral clarity, which is what we are seeing is evil, what we are seeing is terrorism, and the right. The state of Israel has a right to exist. It has a right to defend itself, and the United States needs to be a hundred percent clear. We are going to stand with Israel as they defend themselves and their
1: people. And you know, I don't want to say that we should listen to right. Putin because that's you know not. I I don't think that Putin should be deciding U.S. policy, but can I, in good faith, say that the United States does not have bigger interests than the outcome of this border skirmish in Israel? I can't because, you know, we had 72,000 Americans die last year of fentanyl that was brought across the southern border and was manufactured in China. Okay. Uh, you know it it is it is tragic and it's horrific what is happening both in israel and in palestine you know civilians are being killed for the Mm -hmm. actions of their own government and and that that should be brought to a and and that that is the biggest losers
0: here is always the citizens it's the citizens in all of these regions and american citizens every
1: Yep, and, and, and again, look at look at Ukraine, right? You look at the last year and a half in Ukraine. You have had so many innocent mm-hmm. people die as a result of the conflict in Ukraine just so that Zelensky and his advisors can make millions of dollars off the top as they resell all of these U.S. arms millions. that they're given to third world buyers, maybe Hamas even, um, and so, again, you're right, the, the loser always is is the civilian. But again, whenever it comes back to what is the U.S. interest here, well the U.S. should be involved in preventing U.S. deaths first and foremost. And if you look at how many people, you know, as I mentioned, had died from uh, mm-hmm. From fentanyl overdoses, other opioids that have been brought across the southern border, uh, all the, all of the criminals that have come across the southern border. You know, you have a huge problem in America of crime, of homelessness, of opioid ab- uh, ad- addiction, and all of this. So, the United States should be working on fixing the United States first of all before it goes and starts fixing. We the rest have of the our world own problems. war here. Uh, it goes back to that Jordan Peterson. Yeah, it goes back to that Jordan Peterson statement. Right, uh, make your own bed. Right. Kind of like you—you you have to take care of yourself before you can go and take care of everybody else. You have to put your own mask on in an airplane crash before you can put, you know, a mask on anybody else, right? It's—it's it's just simple logic, but because of the political climate in the United States, it is not kosher. I guess it's, I'll use the word, but whatever. It's not kosher uh, to. To, mm-hmm. to advocate for that. If you advocate for American interest, you're viewed as you know an extremist or a nationalist or some absurd title that the media and politicians and the left throw at you. When in reality, the only thing that you're advocating for is for government to uphold the interests of the governed, which is what we were told the purpose of government was from the beginning right, we
0: have our own issues and you named a few of them those are the cartels that are overrunning our cities we have infrastructure that's being targeted our food supplies are being targeted our children are being targeted by groomers and perverts our elections are exploited i mean when is it children are being trafficked that's one of the even biggest ones the hotels are shutting down ar- mm-hmm. around the country because it's being filled up with military aged men that are coming through our borders right now now we have a war in our own backyard we've got people dying of fentanyl every day overdosing but we want to go and take over somebody else's issue why because it's going to give more money to the uh war contractors and our elected officials who have invested in them when is enough enough i mean because at the end of the day we're hurt for it the people in the middle east are hurt for it ukrainians you know russians every single person we are the losers here but when do we say no to it
1: well that's what we have to decide And
0: so that comes to a big thing that we see here is that the biden biden obama regime gave iran six billion dollars on the anniversary of 9 11. Then it placed an Iranian woman high up in the Pentagon. Then it hired an Iranian spy as an envoy to Iran. But you still think it's surprised by this war in the Middle East. That was something that was reported by Emerald Robinson on Twitter. And honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself. One of the most interesting things that I have found from this conflict, just being on Twitter and on social media, is a video that was put together and you will see that real quickly, but it is a compilation over the past probably 20 to 30 years of the Bushes, the Clintons, even Prime Minister Netanyahu, and others saying the same thing over and over again.
3: In every region, now has a decision to make. Either you are with us, or you are with the terrorists. Either you're with the United States or you're not with the United States. Either you're with us, either you love freedom and with nations which embrace freedom, or you're with the enemy. There's no in-between. You're either with us or you're with the enemy. That's, that's clear. I will continue to make that clear. President Bush made the terms of the war on terror very clear. You're either with us or you're with the terrorists. I've, I've had a very good discussion with the president of Yemen. I made it clear to him as well as other presidents of nations that either with us or you're not with us. Uh, Every nation has to either be with us or against us. What we need to do in the first instance, and is the minimal requirement to ascertain whether you're on this side of President Bush's uh, firmly drawn line, with us or against us? Are you with the terrorists or are you against the terrorists? There is no middle ground. I think the president enunciated uh, a very
2: clear policy. You're either with us or against us. And then came the speech. You are either with us or against us. And the bombing began. And the old paradigm was restored as our leader encouraged us to show our patriotism by shopping and by volunteering to join groups that would turn in their neighbor for any suspicious behavior.
0: If you're not with us, you're against us. If you're not against the terrorists, you're with them. At some point, we have to draw a line and we have to hold our elected officials accountable. Does that mean that we're going to simply follow with the ma- narrative that they feed us? One of the What is really sad to me is seeing so many people pushing against the narrative over the past three years and then falling for the one that is the same playbook as all the rest. Like we have said multiple times, we're not choosing a side here, but we are encouraging you to please dig deeper into this. Look at the bigger picture here. Who, who is winning and who is losing? Because every single time, government entities are the ones that are winning. These independent contractors that are the ones funneling the uh, weaponry over country lines, back and forth, selling and reselling, they're winning. The ones that are, the, uh, that are dying are the ones that are getting shot by those guns are the ones that are paying for it paying money to their government for it so thank you for joining us today on the magnifying glass podcast we delve deep bringing the overlooked into focus and magnifying the stories that matter to you if you enjoyed this episode please be sure to subscribe rate and share help us shine a light on even more discoveries I'm your host Elena Moore and remember sometimes the smallest details make the biggest difference until next time keep looking closer